So back to our study here in 2 Peter chapter number 2. Uh, last week we stepped away from it. And Wednesday night we stepped away from our other study since Brother Van Voltenberg was here. And uh, so, um, again, uh, the, and like I pointed out several times in this chapter, Peter here talking about these false teachers among us. Hmm, verse number one of chapter two. Lunch was good the first time, not so good the second time. <laughs> Pardon me. I'm tasting some of smoke. All right, so. But there were false prophets also among people. Even there shall be false pro- teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, I'm sorry, that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And so we'll pray in just a second, but as, as we look at this, he sets off the chapter by that. Uh, of course, the chapter of divisions wasn't there in the original, but, uh, but at the same time, when they put the chapter here, it is probably a good place in the natural flow of thought, probably at the beginning of another paragraph or definitely another thought here. As he goes into this, and we know it as a chapter, he... Um, he, he, he speaks to the whole chapter as these false teachers that were coming. And he speaks of their swift destruction. And then we've looked at that uh, when we looked in verse number 4 about how he spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And it doesn't, so there's a semicolon there. So, they, so the, the, the sentence goes on. He spared not the old world but... Uh, save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, semicolon, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after, uh, after should live ungodly, semicolon, and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So... He starts off with the false teachers. He speaks to their swift destruction. He gives the examples here in verses 4 through 7, a single sentence. He speaks of the angels and their punishment. He speaks of the old world and their punishment. And he speaks of the cities and their punishment. And then, so we spoke to that in the beginning of our study, and then we took a, a week to just deal with the the positive people that were in those verses. Now, the context of Scripture is speaking of the judgment to those that are the false teachers, the those that do bring in these damnable heresies, the those that did sin against God, the angels that sinned. He's speaking to all that, but we spoke of Noah and how that he was spared and his family was spared. And we there's the... The in judgment, the righteous was spared. In judgment of the cities. And, and we spoke of Lot, how that we scratch our head thinking he was a just man. Uh, carnal for sure, but somehow, some way, saved, probably though asked by fire, just by the skin of his teeth, he was a righteous man. The Bible declares it. Even though he did some unrighteous things. And uh, in his life, and it makes us wonder. He got away from the altar. He got away from his godly influence. 
in Abraham, his uncle, he was vexed with the conversation. We dealt with that, how that just seeing and hearing the things of the world that he's seen there in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities there had vexed him. And it will vex you. It will hinder you and your spiritual walk if you subject yourself to that mess. So here's another one that the kids can sing. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. (laughs) Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. That applies to us big people too. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Hands, what you do. Feet, where you go. Same principle. We learn it in Sunday school, but we need to apply it as adults. Because just like Lot being our example... If we don't watch all those things, where we go, what we do, what we hear, what we see, it will vex us in our Christian walk. That's a good place to pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day and for the many blessings you've given us. I thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Guide us and direct us in the study tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, there's where we dealt with uh, on that one Sunday. We pulled those out. We dealt with. Uh, Moses and we did, I'm sorry, Noah and Lot. But then coming back to the thought of the scripture, because the whole chapter is dealing with what was set forth here in this first verse these false teachers among us uh, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. They're not going to come in openly. He just said how they're coming in, and then we pointed out in one of those lessons here. Some things that will, you know, the real, the red flags that should pop up as they try to sneak it in. You know, and they'll, they'll come in and so they privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, uh, that brought them and bring upon them, uh, that bought them and bring upon them swift destruction. I seen it, I seen it at Island Ford years ago, years there was a fellow that, I'm trying to think if he even claimed to be a preacher. But he was coming, he was attending for a while, you know, and people greeted him just like we do visitors around here. And, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Did they say that they're a brother or they say that they're a sister? Well, we're going to give them, I don't know their heart, I don't know their, you know, if they got a testimony, we're going to accept it based on what their testimony is. And we're going to watch them. And we're going to listen. And the way that Island Ford at the time was set up, I'm trying to think, yeah, that whole part of the building is, has been changed. But the way it was set up to get back into where the women's bathroom area was, then beyond the women's bathroom was a break area for the, for the offices, for the staff at the radio station. And then there were some offices right off that break area. And... Uh, that fella had got another preacher in the church back in that area. Unbeknownst to them, Brother Hall was on the other side of the door in the office. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. And uh, the guy was like, you know, I appreciate, started off with a conversation like this, I really appreciate Brother Hall and his preaching. 
But I've heard you preach a time or two now that I've been coming here, and you know, I really like you better. Just sowing that little seed there, and that's how they slip in. They're not going to come out just front, you know, front and center the first time that they they come in and just start just you know broadcasting these damnable heresies and these damnable doctrines. They're going to slip it in. They're going to try to. They'll judge. They'll 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 field out everybody. They'll find the young Christian. Let's do a Bible study. They'll. <laughs> You know, let's get together. We'll talk about, you know, talk to Scripture. If they're not a member of the church, you know, and so on and so forth, well, just, you know, and you, you, maybe a little flag pops up. You say, well, can we bring our pastor? <laughs> and if they back off real quick off that, then that's a flag. I just avoid them. I mean, that's just an easy way to be nice to them still, but to be on guard. If they're a member of the church, they sat here under the preaching, they're faithful, that's another story. But if they're here visiting, maybe visiting for quite some time and do something like that, that's, we talked about how that, that they uh, are covetousness. And through covetousness shall they, with feign words, make merchandise of you. Want something to sell? We we spoke of the of the TV evangelists that that wipe their sweat and sell you a piece of their handkerchief for a prayer cloth, making merchandise of people. So there are some people that's just bold out there, you know. And, and but people will are drawn to that mess. By the hordes, stadiums worth. Something good is going to happen to you today. And just make everybody feel good and just with, you know, teachers having itching ears is what they just draw. And they just draw, they don't want to be reproved or rebuked. They just want to get together and, and be feel good that they're going to go to heaven one of these days and go out Monday through Saturday and live in sin. Go in Sunday and be told that they're okay. And that they'll make it. And like Brother Glenn pointed out, that their good will outweigh their bad one of these days. They don't have to do nothing with Jesus. But that's wrong. That's false. And then, uh, so, but verse number 9 speaks of the deliverance of Noah and speaks of the deliverance of, of Lot in the fact that the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to re- reserve the just and uh, the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the lust of their of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. There are a bunch of them. There's a group, quote unquote, independent bat. If you look up that bunch out of Kansas, Westboro, they will they on their sign say independent Baptist. That's what they say they are. Uh, you know, I've I've seen just from a, or I know of a distance from a distance that they that they were in, in McAllister when I was in McAllister one time, and there was a soldier there being buried down. You know, and uh, you know they come and of course uh, the the bikers for Christ or some sort of other biker outfit, veterans biker outfit had had blocked them and kept them away from the family in the funeral. But uh, it was a big deal down there at the time. You don't hear much from them anymore. 
But they're saying they're independent Baptists. But they are against government. Just openly. And I know of a crowd that would say they're independent Baptists, you know, that won't take a social security number, won't take a, or won't use a, a zip code on their address. Just all kinds of mess. Uh, don't pay their taxes. <laughs> won't allow, they didn't, there's one person that lost their church because they wouldn't allow the, the, the fire marshal to come in. I think they had a Christian school. Because of that, they had to have the health department come in, look at their, uh, their cooking area, their feeding area, and they had to have the fire you know, marshal come in, sign off on their building, the, their, their fire extinguished, and so on and so forth. And they wouldn't let the fire do their inspection. So they, they lost their building because of it. Just because they, they were against government. They obviously are not reading their Bible about, you know, how we're supposed to act with government. Because it's in here, all laid out. But here's, again, people that they're self-willed. And they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Uh, and so on and so forth. And here's where I want to get to, verse number 12, eventually here, right here. Let's go ahead and read 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. They do have an end. Their judgment is coming and will come. And like I said in one of those lessons, it might not necessarily be Friday. Payday's, you know, payday's coming, but it's not necessarily Friday. We understand that they will, you know, the one guy that's got several private jets for Jesus, and when confronted, he gets belligerent about it in the, in the interviews. You know, and... It goes against what I, the Bible tells how we're supposed to be acting. And, uh, but anyway, so natural brute, they're going to perish in their, uh, in their own corruption, semicolon, sentence goes on, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, period. Note that. Look, they don't hide it anymore. You know, a lot of times sin happens at dark because some, even in the natural man, there's something about doing things late at night, doing things in private to cover their shame, to cover their sin. But they're doing it in the daytime. It got to the place where, you know, look at me, look at what I've built. And they will tell you that. In the name, you know, and and so on and so forth. You you know the you know the big the big 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 names, false teachers, so on and so forth. But then and then things are coming out on them. And what really gets me about some of the things that's coming out on some of this crowd is that they will make a little uh, feigned <laughs> repentant type show and they'll go about I don't know six months 
And then that, and then, then the crowd will take him back in and put him back up. Why? Because the crowd is just as guilty, although it's not brought out on them. The crowd out there is just as guilty as they are. They're just the ones that got caught. And again, if we can all just feel good, that it'll all work out. But it's not that way in, according to the scriptures. So, but they'll do it in the daytime. They riot in the day. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling, that's it right there, beguiling unstable souls. That's who they get. The unstable. Be not double-minded, the Bible teaches us. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Somebody that's going this way 90 miles an hour one day and that way 90 miles an hour the next and that way just they're going to try this and that don't, they're going to try that. I know a man, bless his heart, and I tried to minister to that man, but he, he went his he needed to devote his time to his family and his money to his family. But it was buy a high dollar bicycle and go bicycling, you know, across country and just neglect his family. Next thing, it was get on his motorcycle and run with one of those crowds that he was associated with to all the veterans events. I mean, states and states, why? All that money, all that time, and all that expenditure to that. And here's his family. And then the next thing, it was another thing. And the next thing, it was another thing. And just always something to throw his time into and his money into. And there sat his family. You know where they are today? He don't have his family. Somebody else has got his family. He's got somebody else. Probably doing the same thing to her as he did the first one. To be honest, unstable. You talked with him, and it's just like, there's always this, always that, always that, always. And it's like, wow. And you just, just to, to look at around you and to see what God's blessed you with. I mean, we're talking about some contentment here. Let's see here. We're getting down to Balaam here. So they're unstable. They, 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 Beguile unstable souls. They, that's who they seek after. The young, the, the weak, the, the unlearned, the whatever, the wishy-washy. That's who they beguile. That's who they get to follow them. That's who they lead astray. And heart, they have exercise with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Let's go ahead and get the next two verses. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they, uh, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them, 
who live in error. That's going back up to those unstable souls. But let's look at Balaam. Uh, so Balaam here, if, if you'll remember his, uh, his uh, Numbers chapter 22, if you'll turn back there, hold your place in Second Peter. Way on back here, Numbers. So the children of Israel are in the wilderness and are taking over or whatever, working their way through. And the Moabites, you know, remember Lot? <laughs> He's the father of the Moabites with his daughter, oldest daughter there. And, uh, you know, unrighteous folks going back to their cousins and being a thorn in the flesh to them. But uh, Numbers chapter 22 Of course, the Doctrine of Balaam is in verse 25, but, but I'm not going to read all this, but I'm just going to point out in, in chapter 22, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak the son of Zippor saw all, the Israel, all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was the king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor, to Pethor, Pethor, whatever, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed." And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came to unto Balaam and, and spake unto, the wor, unto him the words of Balak. Now, here's the short story. So they wanted Balaam, the prophet, who said, uh, who they knew that he, the ones that Balaam had blessed, he was a prophet. It's already in the word of God and says he is a prophet. He, as a prophet, he tells you in the next three verses, the chapters, he had to speak the words of the Lord. He said, I'm going to go up. We're going to set these seven altars. We're going to put seven bullocks on these, these altars. And I'm going to go up and I'm going to get God's word. And he tells, he tells Balak, I have to speak the words of the Lord. And each time he comes down with a blessing for God's people. Three times. And Balak gets mad. Because, I mean, obviously he was a man that, that whom he blessed, he blessed, and whom he cursed, he cursed. And that's the way it was. As many of the prophets were in the Old Testament Scripture, they were also known as seers, S-E-E-R. They sought things. In fact, in, in uh, chapter 24, 
it talks about him going into a trance and he was seeing things with his eyes open. It was a trance with his eyes open. He was seeing things beyond. And he, 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 he declared, look, Israel is going to prevail. Israel is going to, you know, conquer. And that's what God had showed him and God had told him. And Balak got mad at Balaam. You know, I called you to curse the children of Israel, and you just come down with blessings all three of these times. And he says, I cannot speak except what God bids me to speak. But we learn here in Peter that covetousness was in his heart. As verse number, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. In Balaam's story, even though he could not curse Israel, he had to say the words of the Lord and pronounce blessings upon Israel. He did tell he did tell the king of the Moabites, of Midian, how to bring a curse to Israel. How to bring judgment upon Israel. How to lead Israel astray. Numbers chapter 25. In verse 1, so in 22, 23, and 24, those are the basically what I just rehearsed, the blessings. Each time, three times, God gave Balaam blessings to pronounce upon Israel. And God had told Balaam, look, in that trance at the end of that, said that they're going to smite everything. In fact, verse 15 of chapter 24, and he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, he has said, which he heard, uh, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now, just talking about the star of Jacob, about the, uh, the, the Messiah that was going to come. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of the land of Israel, shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir, and also the uh, uh, also shall be a possession of uh, for his enemies, and, and Israel shall do valiantly. Uh, and so, and, and Jacob shall have dominion, and so on and so forth. It's all coming. But verse number twenty, chapter twenty-five, verse one: And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. That's all it took. The flesh. Giving in to the flesh. And we see that. And that's a warning <laughs> to us. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And so then... There came a judgment against them in verse, let me see here. 
there fell among them here in chapter 31. But here in verse number 18, just jump down to um, 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the prince of Midian, their sister which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. There was a plague that came upon them. Oh, that's right. And it took 24,000 people of the children of Israel. Before a priest took a javelin and went through one of the princes of Israel along with this woman that had led him astray. And then that stayed God's hand. All right? But I noticed that I wanted to see that word vex. There it is again. What vexed him? What vexed Lot? You know, those things of the world. John Gill says about Numbers 25, 18... For they vex you with their wiles, not with wars, but with wiles. With cunning stratagems and artful methods to draw them into sin, that thereby they might be exposed to the wrath of God. Look, and that's exactly how these false teachers in Second Peter works. They don't come just blatantly. I mean, even though a lot of them are doing it out in the open now in the daytime, riding in the daytime, but others they come in privately and they just sow these false seeds among us and they'll pull away the unlearned or the unstable and then they'll, they'll vex you with their wiles, not with wars like the commentator says, but with wiles, cunning stratagems. Look, they're, they're going to get into our churches and sow these seeds and, and things like that. And so we need to be careful of their stratagems, their wiles. Wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, the idol Peor, that is Baal Peor, which seems to be, or seems to countenance the notion that Peor was the name of a man, some great personage who was, who was deified after his death. Now the Midianites beguiled the Israelites by sending their daughters among them with whom they committed fornication and by whom they were inveigled to worship the idol Peor. Same thing happened to Solomon. He warned, look, don't be mixing up with these other people because they will draw you away to their idols. And men, (laughs) women can get us to do things that we... Normally wouldn't do when we're thinking straight. They have a way to make us not think so straight. Just ask Samson. Samson, tell me about where your strength comes from. If you bind me with new cords, and what happened? She bound him with new cords, and he broke them asunder. Samson, you lied to me. Samson, if you love me, tell me where your strength comes from. Told her another thing, and they tried it, and it didn't work. Oh, Samson, you don't love me. Samson. And it said, you know, he just got to. <laughs> yeah. 
And she fixed him. And it broke him down. And finally, she told him where his strength came from. They have ways. Just like in Solomon's life, it happened here. Look, they committed whoredom with these daughters of Moab, and then once they had committed whoredom with them and fornication with them and lay with them, they drew them, the men of Israel, to their idols. Young men. (laughs) I got some young men. You know, we as older men, bringing up sons, needs to take our, take our sons under their arm and just give them some good heart-to-heart about where to find a woman, where to find a wife. Don't find them out among the world to be pulled away into their idols. Find them on the house of God, on the, in the house of God, on the bench in the house of God. Find them in the choir. Find them back there doing dishes in the, in the, in the fellowship hall. That's some pretty good signs. Find them singing in the choir, singing specials. Not out there running and doing and drawing away. It says, and in the matter of caused by the daughter of the prince of Midian, their sister, their countrywoman was as it was common with eastern people to call those of the same country with them their brethren and sisters. Now the Midianites beguiled the Israelites by prostituting a person of such quality to a prince of theirs, which was setting an example to other daughters of Midian to follow her. And so hereby many of the children of Israel were ensnared to whoredom and to idolatry, which was slain in the day of the plague of Peor's sake, or for the business of Peor as the... Targum of Jonathan because of the worship of that idol, not that caused by was slain upon that account, but the plague came upon Israel by reason of their worshiping of it. And it was on that day that the plague was that she was slain by which seems to be the plague lasted but one day. 24,000 people of Israel died because they fell into whoredom and turned to idolatry away from God. God blessed them through Balaam. Balaam still probably was lifted up and still got some money from it. He was coveted. He sought after that that fame and fortune. Even though he had to pronounce blessings upon God's people, he still told them how to how to get judgment on God's people. Just mix with them. Just lead them astray. They did that, 24,000 people fell. And in verse chapter number 31, oh yeah, here's where, here's where they, oh, Balaam died in chapter 31. Let's pick up in verse number 11 and through 17. One, let's see. I'm in the wrong place here. One on the page. There we go. And they took all the spoil. Oh, they was told to go out and, and well, let's back up. Verse 
Verse number 7. And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses, and they slew all the males. And they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest of them that were slain, namely uh, Evi and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba, five kings of Midian. Balaam also the son of Beor they slew with a sword. Remember, judgment will come to them as we read in Second Peter chapter 5. And the children of Israel took all the women of Midian captives and their little ones, and they took the spoil of their cattle and all their flocks and all their goods, and they burnt all their cities wherein they dwelt, and all their goodly castles with fire, and they took all the spoil and all the prey, both of men and of beasts. And they brought the captives and the prey and the spoil unto Moses and Eliezer the priest and unto the congregation of the, of the children of Israel and to the camp at the plains of Moab, which are by Jordan near Jericho. And Moses and Eliezer the priest and all of the princes of the congregation went forth to meet them without the camp. And Moses with wrath with the officers of the host, with the captains over thousands and the captains over hundreds, which come from the battle. Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the, of the Lord. Adult women who beguiled the men. And Moses is saying, why are they alive for this to happen again? Now therefore, kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman that hath known man by lying with him. But all of the women children that have not known a man by lying with him keep alive for yourselves. And do ye abide without the camp seven days, whosoever hath killed any person, and whosoever hath touched any slain, purify both yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. So he cut them off. I mean, they killed all the men, but they brought in the adult women who still was drawn to that idol Peor. And Moses was wroth and chided with them and said, No, no, go ahead and kill them too. Anybody's ever known a man and kill all the male children too because they'll rise up. And I know when we look at the Old Testament <laughs> and when we read what God had told the children of Israel to do and how he, you know, was, well, that's genocide. Well, in spiritual application, when, when the, these people and peoples can be attributed to our spiritual, our flesh and, and our weights and the sin which does so easily beset us. As God dealt with the people and the peoples that drew the children of Israel away into idols, in application's sake, we can apply to those things which draws us away from God. And how do we handle that just like they handled it? Spiritually speaking, we have to cut it off. <laughs> we have to put it asunder. Lisa's great grandfather was in World War II in Germany. <clears throat> and 
Europe and fought over there. And we are paying for it because we didn't listen to men like General Patton. <clears throat> but Lisa's grandfather came back from World War II and said the only way to keep a communist down is, you know, is to put your foot on his neck and keep it there. If you leg your foot off of his neck, he's going to rise up. And then around that same time, they said, well, we're not going to conquer you from the outside with a war. We're going to get on the inside. And they come in, and they got on our school boards, and they got in our state legislatures, and now they're in our federal legislature. They're in our courts. We're seeing it. A drawing away from the things of God. They're attacking our God. The, uh, what was it? They did a survey in, in Great Britain here recently. I just read about the number of people that don't even claim Christianity anymore, which is now used to be, and we're headed that way in America, where the people that claim to be Christian, you know, and, and, and Christianity, and this is a, Big loose term there. Christianity being the the prevalent religion among the people, it's not that way in England anymore, and we're headed that way here in America. And how did it happen? Well, we just read about it. These false teachers. Leading unstable pope. That's why it's important to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So that we are stable. We know what we believe. We sing it, but Paul wrote it. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. I'm persuaded. You're solidly grounded in the Word of God. And, you know, and, I, and I, again, I appreciate the Word that's taught here and the Word that's preached here, and not only here, but people that we associate with. When we go to Fifth Sunday or the other meetings, camp, and, and the men of God that we hear and their stand, but, but just put our little... Fellowship, and there's others out there too, don't get me wrong. There's still some here in our town, in our city, in our county. But, but when you put it into the multitudes that are around us, then we're just a fraction. That's why I don't think we're going to be missing when we're gone. <laughs> when we're taken away, oh, there'll be something that'll discount us being gone. It's not going to be like Mays Jackson and some of those old 70s preachers preached, you know, where, where the planes will fall out of the sky and all the, the, the nurseries will be emptied and all that whole bunch of other stuff like that. No, as a thief in the night, he's coming back. Most people won't even know that he came and got us. Seven years later, we're coming back on horses, flying horses. A great army. And we're not going to have to fight. It's all going to be taken care of by the word coming out of his mouth. That sword. Woo! What a blessing. Anyway, so, yeah, let's see here. So we're talking about killing little ones. 
So going back to first, uh, Second Peter, let's finish reading here. Verse number 18 again. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same he has brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Just like the man that had got the devil out of his house, swept and garnished it, and then seven devils come back in, the end of him was worse than the beginning. And that's what happens, and we can probably put names. And again, from my vantage point as the pastor, it hurts me in my heart. I heard preachers, it's better to see them going, you know, see some people. No, it's not. Where are you? What are are you thinking, man? I know what their end is going to be. They come in. And, and, and with Anon with joy, they seem to receive the message. They do a good cleanup. They seem to ha- be showing some outward signs. But whether it's offense, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them if they truly are born again, but whether it's offense or a misunderstanding or just unstableness or drawn away from one of these false teachers, I don't know what. But they come in and they don't they they appear to have the goods. They appear they they speak that they know the Lord is their Savior, but by and by time tells that they don't. So again, they come in after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the, through the knowledge of the Lord. This is this kind of knowledge, not this kind of knowledge. They get that head knowledge. They get the head knowledge of the do's and the don'ts from the word of God, and they do and they don't. They, they purposely within themselves try to clean themselves up like an AA program. But they never get Jesus as their Savior in their heart, and they never become a new creature in Christ, old things being passed away, all things becoming new. And here's what happens. So they come in and they, they clean up of their own accord through the head knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then they are again entangled therein. That's that corruption out there. And the bondage out there, they, they're entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after that they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. 
it's better for them never have, if they had never, ever, 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 ever heard the word of Jesus, the name of Jesus, or the things of Christ and the, and, and the gospel. You say, do you want, want them to know? Yes, I do want them to know the gospel. I want them to hear the gospel. That's our commission as a church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we heard that Wednesday night, and I thought it was really good. But, it would have, but when, when they stand before God, as was preached last Sunday and taught last Sunday, and they stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and they are cast, as was mentioned just again this morning, into that lake of fire, and they face uh, degrees of punishment in a lake of fire for eternity. If they had never known the word of Jesus, the name of Jesus... It would be better for them never to have heard it. Never to have experienced any of it. Their degree of punishment would be a whole lot less than the ones that sit on a pew, went through the motions, cleaned themselves up, and then went back to the world. Went back to their vomit. Went back to their mire. Anybody know what mire is? Everybody smelt mire? It's a mixture of mud and poop and, and, the, and urine that's what, and slop and everything else squished together. And they just love it. They wallow around in it. And like I told you, the first time Andrew, we were in Canada, Andrew wanted to see the pigs. And Andrew... He was ahead of it all, and he, went, he got down to the gate prior to all of us walking down the trail at a normal pace, and he was running back, going. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what? He goes, Daddy. I'm like, what? He goes, the smell. And I said, that's mire. Yeah, that's where bacon comes from. Like he pointed out this morning, the raccoons are a whole lot cleaner than them hogs. But that's the what they, you get them out, you take them, you 4-H, you scrub them down, you put a perfume on them, put some lipstick on the pig, put a bow around the neck, show them off at the county fair, you take them back to the farm, turn them loose, where are they going to go to? Right back to the mire. We can all put names on them. They've come in, made a profession, and on with joy, went through the motions, maybe have sang specials, maybe have done whatever around the church, but today, if you learn them loose, that's what they're headed to. And until they get born again, truly born again, truly changed, that's what happens. It's a new birth. Brother Tim mentioned it in the Sunday school, I mean, in the, in the prayer meeting in between Sunday school and church this morning. It's a new birth. You are born again. It's fresh. It's fresh daily in this walk of Christ, with Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You don't have the desires that you, you know, <laughs> such were some of you. I was a pig. I was a dog, but such were some of you, but now you are washed. But we're washed in the blood. 
and being washed in the blood, we get around that. So like my mama, when she quit smoking, she smoked like a probably a 12-year-old girl. My, my grandfather used to have a cigarette roller machine. So while he was at work, she would roll his cigarettes for the next day. But then in rolling his cigarettes, she would roll her one or two, and that's how she got started, about 12 years old. She smoked probably till she was, wow, late 50s, early 60s. I remember... Having seven kids, people thought we always needed clothes. We had so many clothes. Anyway, so somebody would give us a couple of bags of clothes. Give it to the bells. They always need clothes. And I'm not saying that we did, and we appreciated it. But that being said, these particular bags come from a smoker's residence. And my mom was there. And my mom, she might be the one that brought them to us. My mom opened the bag and pulled out these clothes and went, oh. She said, did I used to smell like that? <laughs> and we're going, yes, Mom, you did. But it wasn't until she got away from it that she even understood that that's what it was. And I'm, I'd use that example not to, not to bash any smokers in here, but I said it that way because when you are a child of God, that's the way that you will be push away from that vomit that you used to run to. Push away from that mire that you used to run back to or run to that you used to enjoy. Oh, good mire. Let's just water around in it some more. We, we use the example. It's kind of funny, but it's not. You hug the porcelain God on Friday night, Saturday night, I'll never do this again. God, if you'll just let me live, I'll go to church and I won't ever do this again. And next Friday night, you're back there doing it again. Why? Because there's no change. You're falling down and worshiping the porcelain God. That's nasty. That's where people live. That's where such were some of us. We've been there. Not to glorify sin, and I'm not going, but there's, there's things in all of our lives where we say, yeah, got that T-shirt, but I had that one way away. Actually, I burned it. Such were some of you, us, but now we are washed. We're made a new creature in Christ. And that's the way it is. So these false, I'm just going to end Second Peter there, and I want to end tonight's thought with this. Some of you heard it before. This is kind of in correlation to these false teachers. They come in privately. They're covetous. They, 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 they pull away those that were uh, unstable, their end is coming. Judgment is coming to every single one of them, just like it did to the angels, just like it did the old world, and just like it did the Sodom, cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's coming. Mark it down. It's coming. But I, I thought about this, and I looked it up, and I'm thankful that somebody put the transcript out there. 
Paul Harvey's If I Were the Devil, 1965. 57 years ago. So he broadcasted this in 1965, and he prophesied, basically. He didn't realize he was prophesying what the future spiritual condition of America would be. If I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple of the tree, thee. So I said about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers, with the wisdom of a serpent. I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And I'd get... And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families that war with themselves churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon, I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I'd kill the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work in patriotism in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned and that swinging is more fun and that what you see on TV is the way to be and thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Good day. Paul Harvey, good day.
Yeah. That's right. 65. So 57. Yeah, 57 years ago. And that, so they had reprinted that 40, 10 years ago. It was reprinted where I found it. And he's doing it. He's doing everything that the apostle, that the, yeah, Peter had just wrote us in 2 Peter chapter 2. He warned us, and it's been warning through the centuries, and men of God have stand and warned us, but then people don't heed the warning. People are unchanged, and they run right back to the world. And there are, like I said, Colosseums filled of those false prophets leading men like the Pied Piper to destruction. And it's a broad way to destruction. And we know what their end will be. God help them. But on the good side, like we pointed out, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. <laughs> just like he did Noah. Just like he did Lot. Judgment didn't fall until they were safe in the ark or they were safe out of the city. And we're going to, before it falls on the world, the righteous will be safe. We'll be removed. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to today. I'll leave you on that good note. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, God, for your love and your mercy and your graces. Thank you for the good day and fellowship. Thank you for the church and their love toward Lisa and I. Uh, in the gift that they've given us at this holiday season. Pray and ask that you would be with the family members, myself and Miss uh, Sherry's family and others that may be traveling in and around this holiday season, that you would give traveling mercies to each of them. I pray that you'd help us to, as we get together, as Brother Van Voltenberg mentioned, possibly getting together with his family, many of them lost. I pray that, uh, uh, that we would be an influence uh, and somehow, some way. Uh, just uh, those, especially my children, that have, uh, that have heard, that have seen, that know that uh, just being around their mom and daddy will once again uh, just bring upon the, uh, the things that they, they have learned and heard back to their hearts and their lives. I pray the Holy Spirit would just, uh, just generate the seed that's within them, and I pray that you will give the increase in their lives, and we'll thank you and praise you. I pray and ask that you'll... Uh, uh, be with us, uh, Lord, as we go out this week. Help us to be a witness before men. Help us to come back in Wednesday night with the Wednesday night Bible study and bless in the next Sunday services. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen, amen.